Welcome to Biteside. I'm Seamus Byrne. Have you been thinking about what the future of the internet itself actually looks like? I know I do all the time. Uh, but this week I am joined by Stephen Cornish. He is the founder of Pentanet, or also known as Pentanet GG. They are becoming a really notable specialist ISP over in Perth. Uh, they're doing wireless technology and it was really through this conversation that I started to grasp the idea of how big Stephen is really thinking for what the potential is of an ISP like Pentanet and its ability to deliver the future of cloud services and particularly things like 5G mesh networks and really, really advanced technologies and the nature of how you deliver on being an ISP for the future. Pentanet has done really interesting things like invested in esports. They've had a lot of success in 2021 with their League of Legends team. We talk about the nature of esports, latency issues, setting up a better hub based out of Perth that would let Australian esports teams train against the best of Asia and get things moving up to another level right through to uh, how it all started, which was he himself wanted a better internet connection at home. Uh, really fascinating conversation. And I love these kinds of chats where, yeah, it's about some specific things that Pentanet's been up to, but it is also about the future of the internet itself. So sit back wherever you are and enjoy this chat with Stephen Cornish, the founder of Pentanet. Yeah, you know, over the last few years, it's definitely uh, from completely the other side of the country, clearly, that um, Pentanet has started to make a big name for itself within gaming mm. circles. Uh, and yet you are sort of, you know, a very Perth kind of a, a company at the same time. So yes. it, it seems like a good first thing I wanted to ask was, like, what is it about Perth and ISPs? Because, like, INET emerged from there and kind of took over the country for a while and then obviously TPG. Was that, like, the gaping hole in the industry? Then we're like, well, if there's no real INET that's, you know, home. Yeah, no one one's really big- on that mantle anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. And there's been, um, you know, Westnet, IINET, yeah. Amcom, um, all these quite large telecommunications companies do – tend to spawn from uh, Perth and WA. I think what it is, WA is a very parochial market. So like WA likes to buy from WA brands and and we like to, um, you know, have local service and that sort of thing. Because we are, comparatively, we are quite far from yeah. the rest of the country. There's always been, all these companies have followed a similar mandate, which was Fortress WA. So if you can really like own the WA market, it gives you a really good foundation um, to potentially go national from there. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, that makes sense. Like 2017 isn't that long ago. And um, obviously, you know, there's sort of a, a pandemic in the thick of all of that as well. But mm. um, it does seem like you've made some really sort of interesting and clever moves um, that has really, you know, given you a pretty prominent profile in a very short period of time, at least within gaming circles for sure. Mm. Yeah, well, look, it's good to hear that and good to get that feedback because it's certainly um, what we tried to target to do. Um, but really, I started the network and started Pentanet. It really was just for my own need initially. So this was, you know, 2016, 2017. I was living in a house that didn't actually uh, have NBN yet or anything. And I had very bad um, ADSL. 
Yeah. And so I was moving from another house where I was like, I went through a period where I was playing League of Legends like a lot. Not that I was any good. I was still just stuck in bronze at this point, as most good players are, right? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but look, I, I was living in that in this new house, and it didn't. You know, all all I could get was ADSL. And so, you know, I would always be checking Whirlpool on that and monitoring like when MBN was coming around and learning about the different technologies. And, you know, everyone was on the edge of their seat trying to hear what sort of technology they were getting to their house at that point. So there was nothing really uh, near to me, like there was um, around the corner with a, a different kind of connection from ADSL. And so I started looking into fixed wireless and there are a few like smaller fixed wireless players at the time, but no one was really doing anything like major, major, like trying to bring the technology to a mass market or anything. So it was a really good time, like fixed wireless and wireless technology was just getting to a really interesting point. Like everything was shifting to AC technology. Um, so the kind of bandwidth that fixed wireless was capable of doing was actually more than what NBN, like especially fiber to the node was even going to be capable of doing. Um, so I started to look into it and, you know, the, the prohibitor for fixed wireless is that it is expensive. Like it's expensive for the end user because you've got to have a dish and everything installed on the roof of your house. What I ended up doing was just to kind of solve my own problem. I found a tower that was near my house that had fiber optics to it and kind of just made my own little private network because I went <laughs> and bought a lease on the tower. And, and I, me- I remember meeting with the tower company. They were randomly here in Perth one time and I um, met with them at a hotel lobby and explained, you know, I wanted to get on the thing. They, they kind of listened to me. They're like, okay. Yeah, I ended up putting some equipment on the tower and basically ran my own little network back to the data center and connected the house to it. And I mean, haven't we all, you know, looked up at that? Well, I'm sure I know nerds have certainly, you look at it some tower and you think, I mean, what what would it take to just set myself up? I kind of love that you're like, well, I'm actually going to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I had to, right? I had to get out of bronze <laughs> at this <laughs> point. So look, the, the technology worked and I was like, oh, wow, there's, there's absolutely, um, there's something in this. Uh, but it definitely wasn't economical to run all that just to one house. <laughs> yeah. I had actually sold a, a house that I had to to fund actually building that tower. So I thought, okay, well, yeah, I definitely need to make a business out of this. Um, so the nature of the technology is that you, you kind of have to be within a few kilometers of the tower and you have to have perfect line of sight to the tower. Yeah. So when I built this tower, I was like, okay, well, now I need to put some extra users on it and try to cover the costs, et cetera. I was literally out just like knocking on doors, <laughs> almost like a door-to-door salesman, <laughs> but selling uh, internet, which was a completely foreign concept to everyone I spoke to. So it didn't really get that much traction early on. Uh, but over time, you know, there was take up and, you know, the proof was in the pudding that once people got connected, they're like, oh, what? How come more people aren't connecting to this network? Yeah, it was a early days. It was a process of just trying to sell people onto that one tower. And then, you know, I started to get inquiries as words spread from all over Perth. So I very quickly found I had to build more coverage and build more towers, which um, took, you know, I was just going out there trying to like find new towers to build onto. And then, and then the, the hard part was also like finding the, the capital to do this. So I'd put, I put all the money in from selling my house into building probably the first three or four towers. And then I had to go and find investors and whatnot into the business, which initially was like like all kind of little startups. You get friends and family kind of coming yeah. on board and I set up a structure so they had equity in the business. And then moving forward you know, years later um, and several large capital raises, um, it, it took about a year of me kind of having meetings every day before we got our first sort of decent sized external capital, which allowed me to go and 
begin building uh, the, the beginnings of the network that we have today. Right. So was this all like pre-2017 before you were officially no, pensioned oh, sorry, the ISP sorry. or is this actually sort of part of that just slow yeah, build from that moment? That. Yeah, probably yeah. part of that, like 2017 to 2019 journey. And yeah, like so so we were kind of creating big waves here in Perth. You know, we did want to change the, the landscape and the shape of gaming and esports and that nationally. So I guess that's when over time, you know, people over east and that, especially through our League of Legends team, you know, started hearing about Pentanet. But even still today, like people over east probably don't realize the extent of what we actually do here in Perth from a telecommunications point of view. Yeah, I mean, well, look, let's you know talk a little bit about the the move into esports. You know, what um, apart from clearly you're you're a fan, as you, as you said. So mm. was that always some you know a bit of a thing in the back of your mind of like, hey, I could run an esports team as well as run a an ISP. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I think it it the opportunity was kind of it had presented itself maybe a year prior to us doing it as well. But really, what where we kind of fit like. So we, we're really passionate about the technology and internet. We obviously created this network to make life better for us as gamers, and thus it's good for everyone. Um, but I'm a really big um, advocate for, like, where, from where Perth is actually situated, Singapore is the exact same distance as far as telecommunications goes as Sydney. Yeah. So theoretically, out of Perth, you can actually create this, like, an Australasian esports region. So it's been something I've been talking about for a few years now. You know, I'm trying to attract and build a network that supports potentially an Australasian region uh, for esports and gaming. So, so that's I was looking at it from an infrastructure point of view, and then we were talking to um, you know schools and and students. You know, we're, we're trying to shed light on the actual like there is a viable career pathway like into esports and gaming, yeah. whether it's streaming or content creating. There's a bit of a um, a gap. You might have a family that's sitting on like the next Daniel Ricardo in, in the back room of gaming, but the, the parents are completely unaware. Whereas like in your traditional sport, you know, if someone shows promise kicking the footy or, you know, playing tennis, like the, the parents will help propagate that yeah. and take them to the games and everything like that. But there's a big disconnect with, with gaming. So we were trying to kind of shed a light on that and, you know, we'd host little events um, at, at community events and, you know, just having little like gaming activations and that sort of thing. And so we're very much in the space because it's kind of in the overall halo of our business. But then, yeah, when the, when the opportunity came up again to get the um, one of the, the OPL licenses, we kind of looked at it and, and, and Pete and I were looking at it and we thought, yeah, okay, well, like if we are going to get further into esports, um, you know, we should go straight to the, the top end and kind of do it as best as we can, create our own brand in, in that space. So what, was that 2019 that – was that the first year for Pentanet or was it – you know, because it wasn't last year, was it? It was 2019. It wasn't last year. I think it was 2019, yeah, yeah when, when we first had our um, yeah. pro team. And so, you know, you've, you've had that particular year. Then last year the – yeah, no, no. It was this year, wasn't it? Then when you had that first, like the the, the first half of this year, you had like massive success, yes. and had the team head overseas to mid season invitational. Yeah, like how for you as someone who's a fan, and then you you thought, well, we'll do this team thing, and it's kind of got a you know a few nice little business connections as to why it's a really you know great idea to do it. But how exciting was that to then have this team that you've invested in, you know, carry your name onto the world stage? Oh, it was, yeah, extremely exciting. I still remember um, 
there's, there's several things on my quote-unquote bucket list, <laughs> and and one of them I didn't know existed until I saw it, and that was seeing our like the Pentanet logo um, in in the game, like when I was playing League of Legends. Yeah. So I think that was that was probably like the the one of the pinch me moments. Um, you know, when when I could do my Pentanet emote. While I was playing my one trick Quinn, <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, I've made it. I can, <laughs> you know, that, that was a really good moment. That's for awesome. Me. I mean, but, that's like the equivalent of having a, you know, a global emote on Twitch or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, to think, oh, there's this like, I mean, that logo and company, everything that I kind of just created was now in the game that I loved playing. And um, where did the name come from? Is that a reference to like Pentakill type stuff or? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so I remember exactly the name came to me. It was like, it's just, I woke up at like 3 a.m. one night and I just kind of woke up and then the name was like, oh, Pentanet. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. That's what I'll call it. Because it was an ode to obviously a Penta, like Pentakill. Yep. Uh, so Pentanet is like, it's a gaming network. Um, but then also Penta uh, being five for 5G because uh, I eventually wanted nice. to move into 5G. So yep. it was kind of like a, you know, a play on both of those. And I remember that, <laughs> um, I woke up like the next day, came around and I called one of my friends. I said, like, oh, yeah, what, what do you guys think? Of, I think I'll call it Pentanet. And he was like, oh, you yeah, know, nah, oh, it doesn't really <laughs> it doesn't really stick. And then anyway, we went through with that and now. That, that was actually Connor Llewellyn, our CIO. <laughs> there isn't a day where that goes by where we don't say the name. <laughs> Through that sort of side of the journey then, we're now heading into this moment where you've got yourself um, involved with the, you know, NVIDIA GeForce Cloud uh, server mm. of GeForce Now. I do always get confused. Yeah, yeah GeForce Now. Now, yep. yep. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it really does speak to that idea that, I guess you have a bit of a sort of a firm love for this whole sort of gaming side of of what it means to be a network. You know, how, I mean, again, how did that process come about? I was talking to NVIDIA for a long time before that was ever public information. So obviously cloud cloud gaming is absolutely like going to be the future. Yeah. Um, it sounds still a bit novel and, and people are still like thinking, oh, that, that might not work. But I thought, you know, we're putting so much effort into building this telecommunications network that really is next gen. Like the network we're building in Perth is, is like a gigabit capable network. And if you just look historically, you know, when, when broadband first started coming about and 4G, it enabled things like YouTube and Netflix. You know, there's a lot more content that could come from the internet that people watch and Twitch even for that matter. But the most difficult part of that process is actually putting the infrastructure in. So the telecommunications companies have... They've kind of got the hardest part. Like they've got to run all that infrastructure that enables that. But it's actually the content that flows over the network that really like is is where that makes them the money and that sort of thing. If you're looking at it from a business perspective. So this is I think such a great point that and it was something I wanted to dig into, is that a whole idea of how do you add value to, you know, the dumb pipe kind of thing and yeah, um, exactly. I mean, almost the big question was, you know, my head partly was like, why, why would you even start an ISP given that that is such a notoriously difficult thing to you know, add value to? I mean, obviously you were solving your own problem, but yeah, I, I love this part of it is how you then develop that business into something that, that is a lot more than just the pipe. Yeah. Well, well I, I figured that the future applications, like what, what next generation networks enable will be cloud computing. And, and cloud gaming. So I'm a firm believer that probably within one generation, you know, it, it's going to be odd to have the computer anymore. 
very, very much like it's even seeing a CD or a, a floppy disk <laughs> yeah. these days. It's like this archaic thing that kids uh, wouldn't even know what one is. Like, you know, they wouldn't understand why the recycle bin on your desktop is this weird looking disk thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think, yeah, that within that amount of time, like a very short space of time, it'd be an archaic concept to actually have the computer next to you and, and be it the computer or the console. Um, and, and that would be because of cloud gaming getting enabled from these next gen networks. And I think at the moment it's still like, people are still very skeptical of the technology. They're like, Oh no. Like when we first announced that we we're doing it, it was like, well, why would you bother? It's not going to work on Australian networks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But without someone going and trying it and doing it and understanding telecommunications, so we, we can try and do it the best way possible. Um, you know, Australia would just never get those techs. Yeah, we just decided to do it because I'm a firm believer that if you're building a next-gen network, the, th- the thing that's going to run on it the most will be these cloud-based applications. So I thought it was really important for us to go and, you know, secure an exclusivity over that technology. Which, which ended up being quite disruptive for the telecommunications sector here. Yeah, and what was it that I guess attracted you to that particular solution? Like, I, I mean, I've you know used it myself, obviously, and I think I, I quite love the idea that it you know it connects to you know, your own kind of library of games that you already own, so it isn't it isn't trying to necessarily be you know yet another shop or any of those kinds mm. of things that might mean oh, okay what what else do I need to do to you know, it's like, oh, I have a Steam library and I can now access that in a just an easier way. Um, yeah, that sort of stuff feels like you know, just a really you know, smart sort of way to approach this kind of thing. Yeah, and I guess like NVIDIA, are, like they are the world leaders in like chip technology yeah. and, you know, really like the horsepower behind what runs these applications. So you've obviously got the other players in, in cloud gaming who – Everyone has a bit of a different strategy. Obviously, xCloud is all around, you know, creating that the library and the, the cycling library and potentially lower price point, but it's still, it's it's like a 1080p experience. Where GeForce now fits in, it's just, it's the cutting edge, like highest horsepower one. And you've just seen they've announced the 3080 um, service that'll be yeah. coming as well. So yeah, some people are asking, oh, why didn't you do the 3080? It's like, well, we, we need to get the 1080 one working on Australian networks first. Because, you know, if you rewind eight months ago, people saying, oh, you're crazy. It'll never even work <laughs> yeah. in its current state. And we went and deployed it and proved, no, 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 you can stream 1080 cloud gaming and it works. But now, now we, you know, we've just got to constantly improve that. And, yeah, obviously down the track, the future could be that we, you know, try to bring the 3080 service here um, in Australia as well. But we got to take baby steps because we're on a, a very early uh version of internet here in Australia. I feel like it's also a good example, isn't it, of how like that actually with supply chain constraints right now, that idea that, you know, there could be a a streaming service that can get you access to the latest graphics card that that right now costs you crazy money to try to get your hands on it if you can even get one at all, it feels like it does point to that idea that upgrade cycles of your own hardware and all those sorts of things start to make much more sense when it's just a thing of going, oh, my service has upgraded because you know, their infrastructure is now running on better and more exciting hardware, but mine doesn't have to even worry about it. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, it could be the push of a button. It's like, okay, you want a 3080? Well, you know, select this option here. And um, when you log in, the 3080 will spin up and play for you. And really, it, it 
the industry does have to shift here, right? Like, because there are chip shortages and by nature, like GPUs and processors, they are, semiconductors are kind of difficult to manufacture. Like, they, they always try to make the best ones and it doesn't always work out. So, you know, you get all these different chips that flow out from that. So really the future has to be that all of these cards and all of this resource, it has to live in the cloud and it has to be shared amongst everyone because it's quite, mm. it's quite wasteful really. If, like say if you go and buy a graphics card and you put it in your gaming PC, 90% of the time you're not using it. And yeah. that is like a very large waste of resource, you know? So if, if you're able to put that resource and share it and give access to that to everyone and make it easy and affordable for them to do so, that has to become like the way that it happens moving forward. Similar to how we saw Netflix and, you know, what that did to video easies and blockbusters. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, there's almost always that curve as well where let's say, you know, I bought a new card last year and I'm like, you know, if I could even afford to buy the latest and greatest, about a year later, you're no longer on the latest and greatest. And then you spend a few years feeling slightly disappointed Want, at the fact that more. you're no longer on the coolest <laughs> hardware. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though you probably, you could probably still run really good settings. It's yeah. Just in the back of your mind that you don't have that latest card. <laughs> so, yeah, now you can, yeah, this kind of thing means, well, okay, yeah, just hit that upgrade button and there you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, really, if, if you want to really simplify it, fast forward in the future, like, Imagine what the future looks like in 200 years. I mean, you've seen it in sci-fi and everything. Like literally everyone would just have some sort of tablet or screen and yeah. they would just log into everything that they need to do remotely. Like, like having a big clunky computer next to you, as much as they're awesome, like, I love building them just as much as the next enthusiast by RGB and everything. But it, it will eventually get replaced. You know, if you look at that vision of the future, everyone just has like a tablet or a screen that probably folds out and has a, a massive amount of processing power because it's all just done from the cloud. Yeah. And look, it's funny. It's a great point. I was even just thinking a little bit earlier today that um, I was yeah, thinking of the big question of what, you know, what's my favorite piece of technology? And I was kind of thinking like, oh, is it, you know, my phone or whatever? And, and, and it actually did hit me that I'm like, actually, it's, it's the screen. Like if you take everything else away, it's the screen that gives us access to things. And, and it's, you know, the resolution of the screen getting better and better at a certain point, it doesn't need to be higher resolution. It's just, you know, a case of, mm. well, once it's really a good screen, then it's like, is there enough power to drive the screen? And is there a good enough internet connection into that screen? And then it's like, well, the screen is all that matters in terms of letting me just enjoy amazing stuff, you know, whether that's for work or for play or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And yeah, because- all that goes up is the refresh rate, which can only go up so high before it's 144 is a pretty good sweet spot, 120, 144. Yeah. But as the resolution just gets higher and higher, all it means is it's just a bigger screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if, you, if you're just happy playing in front of you on you know, 27 to 32 inch, I think is a good sweet spot. So if you can get high resolution, high refresh rate on that, it's and it'll go well into the future. I think I parked myself at 1440p. I think once I got that screen, I know I could go and get 4K and all that. I'm like, I think this feels good for gaming and like we're saying, and not making me go and get a 3080 to, <laughs> to keep yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I agree. I think a really good sweet spot for gaming is 1440, um, 144 hertz. Um, but if we're, we're looking at that from a cloud gaming um, perspective, that uses more bandwidth. Than, than a 1080, 60 frames. <laughs> yep. 
So absolutely, like we want to evolve and build cloud gaming and be at the forefront of what's possible. But we have to start at the beginning, which is the the generation currently accessible to us now, which is that, you know, 1080, uh, 60 frames. But we're not we're not going to shy away from building better. And, and if the Australian networks can't support it, then we're not going to shy away from building our own telecommunications network that does as well. Like we we just will always want to strive to build the best solution, which is like what that's what we're building in Perth with the Nexus. So at the start, I was explaining how the fixed wireless technology worked, where customers connect to these towers. So at the moment, we have probably about 50 of these towers in Perth now, and all the towers have dark fiber at them, you know, so we can run 40 gigabit, 100 gigabit per second to these towers if we needed. But the technology that we're actually building into the network now, it's it's a Facebook technology called Terragraph, and we're one of the global leaders in the deployment of it. But basically, we're... We're in the process now of converting all of our subscribers to this new wireless technology and all of our subscribers start meshing and talking to each other. So rather than a subscriber having to see the tower directly, all they have to do is see another subscriber. And and the connection that we can actually overlay with this technology is in the multi-gigabit per second. So it's very low latency, multi-gig per second. So you know, over the coming months, Perth will actually have one of the most advanced telecommunications networks globally with, with what we're doing here. Um, but the nature of the, the network that we build is that it's built off your subscribers. So there would be um, a case potentially for us in future. Like say everyone wanted cloud gaming and they wanted to access these higher refresh rates and higher resolution services. We could certainly look to bring them here and it might come to pass that we actually work with those users to, to build this new network technology onto so it's, which is basically a replacement for fiber optics. You know, and it's all in the spirit of actually enabling this technology for everyone. And that's great. It's something that I remember when all of the first discussions were going on around how 5G would work. You know, there was so much attached to that with the idea that it, it isn't just faster internet, that it is about mesh technologies and all these kinds of, you know, genuinely next generation kinds of ideas but mm. you know as it sort of first rolled out as a mobile network concept it has kind of fallen back into that easy old idea of just you know here's how fast it is um yeah. so it does it sounds like you're really trying to push for here's what the future of networks is meant to be yeah absolutely i think the the main differentiator between like what we would classify as our 5g to you know a main 5g is that so I'll, I'll say this here, the, the exciting part about 5G, like the thing that can transfer a lot of traffic, a lot of data with low latency is millimeter wave. Yeah. Um, but millimeter wave does not go through, doesn't go through trees or buildings or anything. It has to be bounced around. So if you're like this tier one carry that has to, you need someone to walk into the store and buy the box and go take it to their living room and plug it in. Like it has to be that simple and easy to yeah. get the mass market. But that technology that's within that box, it's, it's not using... It won't be able to utilize millimeter wave because it's it's in your living room. So it's actually, although it might say 5G on the screen or on the sticker, it's it's still utilizing um, what the sort of spectrum and waves that 4G would be using today, which you know is isn't as capable of as of, of as much traffic as millimeter wave. But the nature of our network is that you have the ex- external receiver on your roof, so you are able to connect into this millimeter wave mesh. And then we bring that traffic into the home via Ethernet. So we're kind of tapping into this network that's above the roof level and bringing that into the home rather than just trying to go directly from a tower into the home. But with that, it's it's a much harder engineering challenge for us. Yeah. And it's 
it's not for, it's not as easy as just walking to a store and buying it and taking it home. Like everyone has to get designed and installed into the network, but the network that we build off the back of that is, is just so much more advanced and a better experience for our users. Do you feel like partly because you've decided to try to just get Perth right? Because definitely one of the first questions in my head was like, why only Perth so far? But it sounds like it's that idea of you're not just you're reselling MBN, you're building your own network. Is that also then partly what gives you more sort of you know confidence in some of these ideas to really you know test them and push them because you know you, you're trying to get one one city right, not just sell as much as you can. Yeah, like definitely, like it, at the heart of everything we do and the forefront is the technology and experience. Like, sure, I could go and create a much bigger business just trying to deploy this thing nationally, but I might be sacrificing getting it like perfect, you know, because it'll be a much wider spread mission to go yeah. and deploy that. So just by nature that our network is in Perth, we've got so much capacity here in Perth. And the design that we built on our network here in Perth was to power Terragraph. Certainly the next step for us is to kind of perfect that network here, which, which we call the Pentanet Nexus. Yep. So kind of the IP and the knowledge that we'll have from building it here for the first time globally uh, here in Perth we will have the ability to go and replicate that nationally. But I guess where we sit at the point in the business now is we're, we're still in the process of educating our user base and educating the market around Nexus and the technology, much like we had to do you know, three years ago around fixed wireless in general. So once we get like a good take up and can demonstrate the technology and, and people in other states can see what we've built, you know, then the case might be there to say, okay, like, should we go and build it nationally now? Because really what we need to build Nexus, like we need people kind of putting their hands up and saying, yeah, like I, I want to be one of the first adopters of it. So for us to go and run a campaign like that nationally before we've even really demonstrated the power of it, it, it you know, it, it could spread us a bit too thin. We'd rather just really focus on getting it perfect here. And, you know, when it comes time to go national, I don't have to go and put a billboard up next to another provider and and try educate everyone around my brand yeah. because people already are aware like what our brand does and you know they're, they're excited to kind of pre-adopt the technology before we get there yeah and it, it seems like that there's probably plenty of lessons and you know fixes and things that you go through if you then you know, get to that point where you feel like it's you've found the sweet spot for how to run this kind of a network it's then a lot easier to you know go and I guess and replicate uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Start it <clears throat> yeah, from scratch absolutely. somewhere else rather than fix it in the other place along the way, just As like you're going. fixing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like it, we are very advanced with Terragraph compared to other people globally using it, but the way that we use it here is still very much like a, it's almost like a beta in itself. Yeah, right. Because no one's really deployed Terragraph technology at the scale that we're looking at doing. Yeah. Um, and at the speed and pace that we're looking to do it in. Um, so t- to do that stuff, there are a lot of these little like engineering and um, networking hurdles that we had to figure out. So we are, we're quite advanced uh, where we sit today and we're in the process of now deploying them out at scale, like these little distribution points that form the mesh. Um, but yeah, certainly off the back of doing that and kind of perfecting it here in Perth, it will, it will put us in a very good position what we do. And as, and as well, from a, a business perspective, you know, in order to grow this, because we're doing this all at our cost here in Perth, we're not charging customers to convert them. So it's, it's an expensive exercise, <laughs> but with new technology, sometimes that's what you have to do because you've got to remove all the barriers for, for someone to want to adopt it to then prove it up. 
you know, we'd probably need to build that up as a business here to have the, actually have the cash flows and whatnot to, to, to replicate that model nationally. For someone who's never you know, used that kind of tech, are there any like surprises in terms of like positives or anything around having this kind of an internet connection versus other, you know, just MBN or other kinds of connections in your house? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very positive to have. I've got a connection here. It's, it's just really fast. <laughs> it's really fast internet and it's low latency. It's, I, I wouldn't be able to live without it now. And, and I suppose the benefit to being on our network, normally people connect to the internet via the MBN and that's fine. You, you do, you know, majority, say if you're a retailer reselling the MBN network, majority of that margin does go to the MBN. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's fair enough. But where the problem lies is that the MBN network was really, really expensive to deploy. And, you know, maybe it wasn't done as well as it could have been, I suppose. I mean, it was, and, but I, I take my hat off to it. It was a big, it was a big task deploying yeah. this big network, but they have these big, big costs that they need to go and um, get back, which, which does come from a, a much higher um, wholesale cost, you know, to try to recuperate the cost that it was to build the network. So I have to position Pentanet to be a company that can compete against the likes of MBN once MBN go and deploy fiber everywhere. Now, our, our Nexus will be capable of gigabit and MBN fiber will be capable of gigabit. But if I'm selling internet via my own infrastructure, you know, it's because we've done that economically, we can retain a lot of that margin, which yeah. then we can put back into building the network to be better you know, promoting esports and gaming and deploying more cloud gaming and 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 having like tech support. The, the way that we look at tech support is like we look at it like customer success. Ideally, every single person joining our network should have someone rock up there the next day and kind of check that their printer's connected and everything like that, and you know, really bring back a service or like almost like an inter- internet concierge yeah. to the industry. And at the moment, you can't do that with the margins you make from you know, reselling. Say MBN. You know, we're we're pretty excited about what we'll be enabled to do in the future and what what your relationship looks like with your internet provider, like in the next few years, um, and, and what we'll be able to look like in, in that story. Yeah. So jumping back to the esports stuff, like, what is your perspective on? Because I'm sure plenty of people know. Okay, you know, you jump on a server, and so and you know, for Aussies, if there's no you know, actual official Australian server, then we're usually trying to jump on into an Asian server or some, certainly from, you know, over here on the East Coast, you know, some server in, you know, hopefully in the West Coast of America. Um, but, you know, from your sense, when you're talking about those kinds of regional links, is there sort of Perth connection out to Singapore? Do you know if that is actually providing, you know, a better style of connection out to, you know, I guess the Asia region uh, markets that a lot of gamers are trying to actually compete against to get you know a bit of that extra uh, competition yeah. under their belt. Yeah, no, it definitely it definitely is better. Um, so with the internet and latency, it is all it's just distance. Like it's how long that light or that traffic <laughs> yeah. takes the travel there and back. Or it's RTT return trip time. So yeah, if you're playing um, Asian servers within Asian servers out of Perth, the, the latency that we see is almost very similar to what we're used to playing out of the Eastern States anyway. So there's definitely an advantage there. And, you know, I'm still a firm believer and probably, I mean, there's more discussion to be had around what we do with esports. But what I would really like to build is an esports region that is based out of Perth, 
so that those players can actually train and play against um, the Asian servers. Because what you actually find, like with esports, and I'll take League of Legends as the example, the pro players that are in the circuit, there, there's the, the difficulty curve that they play on is so much higher than just the next uh, rank down that these players just find that they, they can only really train against each other. Because yeah. like all things in life, you, you really only get better at something when you're learning and playing from someone better than you. Yeah. So there is kind of this ceiling to how good you can get just playing against the, you know, the oceanic pro player base. And and they do these things called scrims where they just, you know, during the week they, they train against the, the current and existing teams. But from out of Perth, which is certainly what we want to try to do, our team could theoretically train the same against um, the Asian servers and with the Asian pro players. That would really introduce like new kind of styles of gameplay, and like what I mentioned before, you you get better by playing better people. And and in the off season, most of these players will go and play in the Korean servers um, to try get themselves better and to yeah. learn you know the current meta and what everyone's uh, doing with the latest patches and whatnot. That's something that we can actually access so from from here in Perth. Yeah, I was going to say like, do you feel like that was part of the success for? you know, the Pentanet team in through the, you know, this 2021 year? Because, I mean, again, obviously, apart from just a bit of a, an upset in the, you know, the final of the second phase, you, yeah. you were very close to having that seat in, uh, you know, both halves of the year. Yeah. Well, I don't think the, the, the potential and power of what I'm talking about with the Perth being the hub of an Australasian region, we haven't really tapped into that yet. Yeah. Because um, all, our players were still... They weren't in Perth last last split. They were still training nationally against the other national yeah, teams. Yeah, of course. And because, this is yeah. something that I envisage for the future. <laughs> it's um, like because the competition itself was happening over in the eastern states. and <laughs> Yeah, and look, it was kind of, you know, OPL left and everyone was like, it was all in disarray and, and teams got put together and, you know, everything had kind of been ripped out. So everyone was trying to save on cost and that sort of thing. So these things like gamer houses and that, they all dissipated. And especially with COVID, you know, there was no studio. Yeah. So it, it all ended up getting played online anyway. Uh, so, yeah, in, in the last splits, all of our players were just kind of playing from home. I think they definitely, they would have had a lot of good experience from going and playing um, at MSI. Yeah. As the first, they get some exposure to play against the other teams. I just think it, it was unfortunate getting to the, you know, the finals. I think they just, you know, choked a little bit, especially to go 3-0. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of pressure if you come back and, you know, you're meant to be this number one thing and you know, the, sometimes the pressure does just amount to the guys. Um, look, yeah, I guess one final thought ahead then, you know, I mean, what do you, I guess, envisage, you know, Pentanet is, you know, in a few years' time or, you know, will, will you win Worlds before you're uh, rolling out Pentanet in other cities? Uh, <laughs> is it one or the other? <laughs> well, I suppose I'll answer a bit. We might win some sort of worlds and it might not only be League of Legends. We, we certainly, you know, we never shy away from a challenge and um, we certainly want to get more exposure and more involved in esports. You know, we want to get more involved in content creation, streaming, like everything that happens digitally to do with the internet, we want to kind of be at the forefront of. Um, and we feel that we kind of, we, we earn our place there because we are the creators of like the internet and, and we look forward to, creating what this future network looks like, which you know, hopefully in time, in the time you're, you're speaking of, um, you know, everyone in Australia will be able to access and enjoy. Mm. So I think where we sit in the future is a network that 
you know, we, we push the boundaries about how telecommunications works. We, you know, extract this, the most amount of speed and lowest latency that we can. Our network is internationally connecting to all these gaming servers. Um, we'll have other software like, like you've seen cloud.gg. Um, it's how you interact with your cloud gaming. Um, eventually cloud GG will also start to show you like social metrics and going to show you what games you're playing, what games your friends are playing. Um, it'll kind of almost, I want to build this like social platform for cloud gaming, similar to how Steam would show you what, what your friends and that are doing. I kind of get the feeling when I see you've got cloud.gg as the, uh, the hub for the, you know, NVIDIA now service. I'm like, that's, that seems like it's got the, you know, it could one day be for and anyone the, anywhere. It doesn't have to be. I'm glad you picked up on that. It's, uh, it, it's really interesting. So I have calls often. There's obviously a lot of stakeholders in that with Pentanet. I, I, I don't think there's a real, a true appreciation of us actually owning and building something in that domain. Cause that, that is cloud.gg is that's, that's the domain for cloud.gaming uh, globally. So yeah, the, the application that we can end up building on that platform, I, I think, will certainly uh, extend beyond uh, what anything that we're doing here in Australia. But you know, Australia is our home, and we've got to build it first and here and, and best for everyone here. I get the feeling the way you talk about it that you have sort of just that like nice, quiet, calm, but grand optimism of like what the potential could be without necessarily trying to you know, over-egg it, I guess, up front, just like slowly and surely yeah, keep delivering on it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, I mean, and that's it. I can talk to things, um, but eventually it gets to a point where the best way to, to do it is just to kind of have deliver and show people what we can do. Because, yeah, absolutely, like the, the vision that I have for Pentanet is it's way beyond, it's beyond um, anything that exists today. Um, but what I would want to build, it, it does require me to have a telecommunications network. So I have to build one of those. And if I'm going to build one, I have to build the best telecommunications network. And then also relies on owning all of the, the gaming infrastructure, the gaming servers, the cloud gaming servers, all of these industries that don't even exist yet. Yeah. And so that's another pillar of the business. Again, very difficult, but we're doing it because it's actually how we're going to integrate all of these different pillars into cloud gg which is the future of what we're building um and uh, yeah people probably wouldn't have any realization yet around what we're what we plan to eventually build uh, combining all those elements together and again what 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 is the what is your interaction with your internet service provider look like in the future and what else do you do with them other than just you know pay, pay for your internet it seems like a, a very good uh new example of the old uh, think global act local adage that if you're going to build infrastructure you you need to do it that way yeah certainly and um for us like local is, is very local here in, in perth so it's a good place to start awesome Stephen. thank you so much for your time really appreciate it oh, thanks james it's been great chatting